I want to welcome you back this morning as we continue to forge our way forward through the Dying to Selfie sermon series. As we've been going through this sermon series, I know for me personally, it has been an eye-opening experience where God has put his hand on things in my life that he is wanting to change in my life or take me different to a deeper level. I pray for you personally that God is stretching you as well. Today, as we go through this sermon, I hope that God will give you a fresh word to encourage and equip you right where you are in life today. Turn your Bible to the book of Galatians, chapter 2 and verse chapter 2. And we'll find our place there in verse 11. But when Cephas or Peter came to Antioch, Paul says, I opposed him. I withstood him face to face because he stood up and he condemned. Verse 12 says, For he used to eat with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew from them. He separated himself because he feared those of the Jewish race or of the circumcision. Then the rest of the Jews joined in his hypocrisy. Underline that in your Bible, his hypocrisy. And it goes on and it says that even Barnabas. Boy, there's there's just great things to be said about Barnabas. But it says right here, even Barnabas got carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Peter, in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? For we are Jews by birth and not Gentiles, not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that no one is justified by their works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ. And not by the works of the law, but because of the works of the law, no human, no human being will be justified. But if while seeking to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found to be sinners, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Well, absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law I have died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Man, as we look at this this morning, there are several things that we understand. There was a lot of confusion happening. Now, Peter, there were some days that Peter was this. Peter was a lot like the, the disciple who lived next door. You know, there were some days that he couldn't say anything wrong. I mean, matter of fact, even Jesus Christ said that. He said, man, Peter... Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but the very voice of the Father in heaven. And that's where he changed his name. Your, your name will no longer be Cephas, but it'll be Peter. Petros, upon you, Peter, upon the rock, I'll build my church. We know there were times that, that Peter couldn't say anything right. And that, man, the Lord Jesus looked at him and said, Get behind me, Satan, I rebuke you. And so we know as we're going through this sermon series, the person that we are looking at, the person that we're looking to, 
the picture of the ancient selfie some month ago was dealing with the Apostle Paul. Everything has been wrapped up in the Apostle Paul. And so Paul is now sharing the faith. And he gets there to Galatia, to this baby church. And he hears about all this craziness going on. And he says, when Peter gets here, I'm taking care of this. He says, when he, got to, when he got there, I withstood him face to face. I said, boy, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you being a hypocrite? Why are you preaching one thing and living something else? Why are you expecting one thing out of one group of people and another thing out of the other group? Why is it that you want to act like a, act like a, a, a freed up? believer in one group but then when the other group's looking the other group's looking you want to act like this old religious robe that you used to wear it's kind of like a lot of people when they lift the bible says that we should lift up holy hands in worship and so it's those people that struggle with that. They feel the freedom. They feel the freedom and they want to worship, but they're scared somebody may be looking, so they worship like this. You know, they keep their hands down here so that nobody can really see them up in the air. You know, it's, it's, it's the two things. And the thing that I want you to understand about the life of me is that the life of you will not and cannot come through religion. I'm going to say that again. The life of you cannot and will not come from religion. Now, it may come through it as a, as a channel that will bring you to the cross, that will point you to the cross, but most religion points you to their theory, to their ideology, to their theology. I mean, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, when we're dealing with these Jewish people and we're thinking about how narrow-minded their belief system was and all the things that they had to do, we come over here and we expect to be so freed up. But then we have so many boxes that religion makes us check. I mean, so many churches today, you got to check the box of what you wear. You got to check the box of how you look. You got to check the box of what you sing, when you sing, how you worship. Do you worship sitting down? Do you worship standing up? Do you worship with your hand in the air? Do you worship with a little bounce in your step? Do you worship with a little turnaround? How, how have you been born again? Did you, did you say a prayer? Did you walk an aisle? How was you baptized? Was you immersed? What did the preacher say when he immersed you? When you came up, what kind of tongue was you speaking in? What kind of song was you singing what was happening in your life i mean it's so strict and so narrow-minded today that i know people that have been baptized the scriptural way by immersion try to unite with a church somewhere and they'll say well what the preacher said when you were baptized doesn't line up with what we believe so your baptism is nullified you need to do it all over again you see, the thing about Paul is what he's pointing out here is he's telling them, let me tell you something, Galatians. I don't want you to go back. I don't want you to pick up that robe of religion because the robe of religion will wear out. But the robe of righteousness will be renewed every day. I'm telling you today, my friends, that religion of any sort will be the death of you, but righteousness will be the life of you. Today, we want to die to ourselves, die to religion so that we might 
gain life and gain it more abundantly. It was not a church that went to the cross for you. It was not a denomination that went to the cross for you. But it was the royal diadem of heaven. The very son of God, Jesus Christ, had went to the cross and gave his life for you. Therefore, when Paul heard about it, he was fired up. Amen. He didn't say, I'm going to get a group of men together and we're going to talk about it. He didn't say, we're going to get a group of men together and pray about it. He didn't say, we're going to get a committee together and cast a vote whether or not we should talk to Peter about it. No, sir. No, ma'am. Paul said, I have taken it upon myself that there's some things you don't have to pray about. And when somebody's telling you that it's Jesus plus this, Jesus plus religion, Jesus plus circumcision, Jesus plus this, Jesus plus that, Jesus plus tongues, Jesus plus prophecy, Jesus plus healing, Jesus plus religion. Paul said, I don't need to pray about it. I don't need to have people tell me I ought to do it. I'm telling you that all I know is I once was lost, but Jesus liberated me and set me free, and I am not going to put up with all that religion. You see, Paul said earlier, and we looked at it in our sermon series, I mean, he said, if you want to talk about being religious, I'll match you every day and raise you five. A Pharisee of the Pharisees, Hebrew of the Hebrew, circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin. I was taught at, at, the, at the school of Gamil. I sat at the greatest scholar there was to ever teach. But I want you to understand something. And what Gamal didn't realize was that the Jewish law wasn't what set me free. But it was the one who came to fulfill the law who died for me that set me free. Paul said all I know is when I was walking on the road to Damascus one day. And the voice came from heaven. It wasn't the Jewish religion that was speaking to me. But Paul said it was Jesus. He said, how do I know? Because Paul said, I ask, who is this? And he said, it's Jesus whom you're persecuting. You see, the thing I want you to understand about these first few verses here in the life of you is the requirement of religion. Religion will require you to be a chameleon if you're trying to walk in freedom. If you're trying to be accepted by a certain demographic in the religious circle, then all of a sudden, it puts a heavy weight of requirement upon you. And you have to try to meet those requirements. I'm telling you today that here's what Jesus Christ requires. For you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Jesus Christ requires us to go into all the world to make disciples. Jesus Christ requires us to tell the greatest story in all the world. And he gave you the authority to do it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, Now then, you are an ambassador for Christ, which means you are a spokesperson. And when an ambassador shows up to any country on behalf of the President of the United States, he has all the authority, all the power, all the resources of the United States government. Can I tell you today that religion cannot give you all the authority of heaven. It cannot give you all the resources of heaven it can point you to the authority it can point you to the lamb of god but it can't bring it how my friends today what brings joy what brings peace what brings hope what brings happiness what brings fulfillment is jesus christ and paul said when peter gets here i'm taking care of him and he did and he, he did 
That's why when Peter, Peter got there, he had to give an account for trying to embrace freedom, live freedom, and hold on to bondage. And let me tell you, my friends, Paul basically tells Peter he's broke every chain. He's broke every chain. And I've been set free. Now, you may want to go back to live that slaughterhouse religion where you've got to kill all these animals, keep all these offerings. But as for me, I'm accepting the finished work of Calvary. And don't you come behind me speaking to my children that God used to birth into his kingdom who are my disciples and teach them a bunch of nonsense. Don't you teach them they have to go back and pick up the robe of religion when they can be wearing the robe of righteousness. You see, the thing about the life of you is there's so much requirement in religion. Let me show you the second thing I want you to understand in these verses. We read it very clearly. Where you see, religion, a couple of things just to detect about religion. It's a lot about power. Religion's a lot about power. It's a lot about pride. Who has the most? Whose church is the biggest? I, uh, I, I've, I, there's this guy I know I went to school with. Um, God called him into the ministry later in life. He's been at the same job for 18 years. He laid it down. And uh, went full time into the ministry. He texted me the other day and said, why is it that every time I get around other preachers, all they want to know is where did I go to school and what's my degree in and do I have my doctorate? I said, because that's what they're so prideful of. I said, education's not bad, but when it's all you got. You see, so many people, listen, it's so heavy. It's like David in Saul's armor, trying to wear something that's not yours. And what God is saying in our hearts and lives today is that sometimes with religion, you may just need to do the smell test. I know it's an elementary principle, but you're going to pick up what I'm putting down. Because if you ever go to the refrigerator early in the morning and your eyes are not completely functioning, and you're not sure about the expiration date on the milk carton. And even if it's questionable, you don't do the taste test. You do what we call the smell test. And it's one or two things. It's okay. Golly! What in the world is this doing in the fridge? Now, I know that's an elementary explanation, but sometimes a cookie needs to be on the bottom shelf. If it doesn't smell right, it's not right. Amen. And the thing that is so interesting about this is that religion will put such bondage upon you when Christ came to set us free from it. You see, the second thing here is about the, about the life of me is this. There's a requirement of religion, but there's a release of death. Now, what's interesting about the release of death is this. If Paul says, hey, Hey, Peter, you can go back and you can pick up all that religion. You can go back and killing all those little lambs. You can go back to keeping the Passover. You can go back to the grain offerings, the new moon offerings, the drink offerings. You can go back and try to keep all those offerings of the Levitical law. But let me tell you this, Peter. All I know is that I have been crucified with Christ and I live. I have been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. 
What did Christ do? We've looked at this over and over. Paul said here to the church of Galatia, he says, the law couldn't bring life because man could not keep the law. Man couldn't keep the law. So what man could not do in keeping the law, Christ came and did for man. He didn't come to do away with the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And so therefore, what we could not do for ourselves, Christ did for us. That's why we looked at last week that that's the one substitution that you better make sure you make. Jesus being the substitutionary atonement that takes the place of you on the cross of Calvary. Now, now I know Jesus died for you. The Bible teaches that. The Bible teaches that for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in, cling to, rely on, would not perish, but have everlasting life. That word, word world in the Greek means cosmos. That means everybody in the world, Jesus died for them, but it doesn't mean everybody's going to heaven. The Bible says in 1 Peter that God's not slack concerning His promises. He wished that none should perish, but it doesn't mean that people aren't perishing. You see, I know that Jesus died for you on the cross, but he's got to die as you on the cross. And when God sees Jesus on the cross, that you reconcile yourself with his death, that you unite with his death on the cross, that therefore when God sees the death of his son Jesus, he sees you as dead on the cross with Jesus. That becomes a substitutionary atonement. Therefore, the law has been fulfilled on your behalf. Because what you couldn't do, Christ did for you. That now he can do through you. Because the bar was too high for you to reach. So Jesus reached the bar for you. Let me give you a good illustration. One day I remember seeing this grandfather in the living room with his little toddler granddaughter. And he was trying to get her to walk to him. And she fell down as soon as she stood up like toddlers do. And so then she stood up and she took one step and another step and she fell down. Now, instead of that grandfather, you know, telling that granddaughter, now you need to get back up and you can do better and this and that. And, and just, you know, leaving her feeling broken and defeated as a failure, here's what he did. Sitting in that living room, he went over there and he picked that granddaughter up, you know, by her two arms, picked her up, stood her on her feet, and then he put one of her, her right foot on his right foot, her left foot on his left foot, held her arms and began to take the steps. And began to take the steps. And he walked that little toddler all the way across the living room to where he was sitting. Now you know where I'm headed with this. What that granddaughter could not do, the granddaughter did for her. What we could not do, Christ did for us. There's no way we could make it to heaven. Therefore, we needed a Savior. The, the slaughtering of lambs and goats was, was null and void. So God sent His Son to the cross that He might die and we might have life and have it more abundantly. Paul says, I, Peter, I've been crucified with Christ. So therefore, everything from my past has died. Paul wrote to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man now be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away and everything now is new. You get a do-over. Somebody was sitting in my office this morning and I was doing something on my computer and everything went blank. And I said, oh no, oh, oh, oh my goodness, no. And so we're, I said, back button, back button, back button. So I hit the back button, and sure enough, it started coming back. I said, whoo, 
Praise the Lord for back buttons. Undo buttons. You know the undo button. And what I want you to know, my friends, what Jesus Christ did, he didn't, he, he uh, takes all of our brokenness, all of our failures, and undoes it into complete wholeness and righteousness that our filthiness can become righteousness. That our failures can become success. That our worst days can become our greatest trophy of grace. The religious requirements. The release of death. Now the cool thing about being crucified with Christ, the cool thing about dying is, it doesn't matter how much you owe anymore. I mean, if you die physically, I don't care what your mortgage was. If you die physically, I don't care how much you owe your credit cards. I don't care how much you owe on your car it's irrelevant to you i mean that the the bill collector can come to your funeral he can be foaming at the mouth ranting and raving throw all those bills on top of you slap you in the face with them and that's about as far as it goes i mean he can put them in a coffin but they'll never be paid now the rest of your family they may have issues to deal with but as far as you when you die, it's done. Here's what Paul says to Peter. Peter, son, I died on the road to Damascus. I died to myself. Therefore, that I died to myself, everything from my past is in the past. I'm not worried about where I've been. I'm worried about where I'm going. And can I just tell you, I'm not going to get any of the junk of my past and bring it into my future. I'm not going to get any of that bondage and let it shackle me down. I was shackled by that heavy burden long enough. But today... By the miracle working power in the life of Jesus Christ, I am embracing life and having it more abundantly. The release of death has great benefits, freedom, and uh, it doesn't matter. Not only do we see the release of death, but we see the responsibility of life. For you see, when you're responsible, you normally have dependence. Now, today, as we hear, speaking to all of our young people, who will be going into your youth service later on. It's sad today that many times the young people have to be the adults. Just this week I was having a conversation with a young teenager. I said, baby, I know it's not right that you have to be the more spiritual one. I know it's not right that you have to be the grown-up in this situation. I know it's not right that your parents get to act like a child, and now you have to act like an adult. But here's what I want you to understand. What's going on in your life is not what's going on in their life, because what's going on in your life is far greater than anything they've ever experienced. They're living by human standards. You're living by heavenly standards. Therefore, don't take your heavenly standards and lower them down to an earthly standard. You rise up and you be all that you can be. You achieve everything that God has in store for you. I don't care if you don't know your dad. I don't care if your mom doesn't help you. I don't care if your mom stirs up strife and controversy. You walk in the pathway that God has for you and God will allow you to soar on the wings of eagle. You don't have to run around strutting with a bunch of turkeys when he's allowed you to soar with eagles as a royal diadem of heaven, a child of God, blood bought, sealed with the Spirit. Praise the Lord. Amen. Paul says, for I've been crucified with Christ, yet, yet, wait for it, I live. Paradox. How do you die and live? Because I died, because I united with the finished work of the cross, I now have the finished work of the resurrection. You can never experience the resurrection and eternal life until you've experienced it. The death. The only thing, the only way something can be resurrected is it has to die. 
And let me tell you something about the death of you. It's not that bad. Because he wants to give you the life of you. The life of you. The life of you. For a month, you've been thinking, oh God, when's this preacher going to get off of this death of me stuff? We had to have the funeral that you could have a resurrection. I'm telling you that if you've never died, you can never be resurrected from the dead. And here's what Paul says. All I know, all I know is there was something about old Stephen when he was being stoned that day. All I know is that he was looking up into the third heaven. And the Bible says that he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And Stephen said, Father, forgive them for what they're doing. They're just a bunch of knuckleheads. And that's the Brad Eric version. But what I want you to understand something very clearly is that Paul was now experiencing the resurrected life because he had experienced the death. And Paul said, Peter, you can go back to that old dead, stinking, bogged down, narrow-minded thinking religion that says if you wear what we wear, if you sing what we sing, if you go where we go, if you do what we do, then you can be part of us. Paul says, Peter, I want you to know something. And when I was a no good Christian murdering terrorist, terrorizing the children of God, Jesus kicked open the back door of my soul and began to fill me from the guttermost to the uttermost. And all I know, son, is I'm not going back to where I once was because I have been crucified with Christ. Old Paul died. Matter of fact, he died so much that God gave me a new name. My name was Saul. Now I'm Paul. I've been set free that I might have life, that I might have it more abundantly. I have the release of death, but I have the responsibility of life. Now, we'll get into this a lot deeper next week, what it means to have responsibility of life. But here's what Paul says. All I know is that I don't have to die again. I don't have to experience eternal death, physical eternal death, because I've experienced spiritual death. That I might be born again. I've been crucified with Christ, yet I live. Let me give you the last thing. But there has the reassurance of faith. He says, for I've been crucified with Christ, yet I live. And the life I live in the flesh now. I live by faith. In the Son of God. Who gave himself for me. I live by faith. Assurance is to put complete, uh, make a complete declaration. That that's what it is. That's what you're doing. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, yet I live in the life I live in the flesh. Now I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Guys, I don't nullify the finished work of Calvary. Look at it right there at the end of those verses. I mean, he says that very clearly in verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness came through the law, I'd still be at the school of Gamal. I'd still be a Pharisee. I'd still be wearing my religious garments. I would still be going through the religious motions. I would still be killing Christians. But I realized that all I had was religion when I could really have righteousness. And he says, I'm not nullifying it. And then I love the next verse. I just want to read this, chapter 3 and verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has tricked you? If it's Peter, I just called him out. Don't you listen to that nonsense preaching anymore. You walk in life. You walk in freedom. Somebody tells you that it's Jesus plus something, turn and walk away. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul wrote, I declare unto you that which I know that Jesus Christ died. He lived according to the Scriptures, died according to the Scriptures, rose again according to the Scriptures. And that, my friends, is salvation. What is it? A reassurance of faith. And chapter 3 talks about faith. 
and all those things. But I could summarize it by the old hymn that said, I'll tell you about the assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation. I've been purchased by God. Born of the Spirit, washed in the blood. This is my story. That is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. What's your assurance today, friends? Where is your assurance? Where is your hope? Where is your peace?